Quick message before we get into the uh, Banking with Life episode. We have a live event coming up in October 2023, downtown Fort Worth, Texas. I'm going to be speaking. Ryan Griggs will be speaking. This will be the second event that we've held. We did one last year in uh, October as well. We're going to have uh, some unnamed special guests. And Mr. Griggs, why aren't we naming the special guests? Oh, you know, it's it's a it's a private it's a private event for clients only, and these are people who they don't need their names blasted around the internet. Uh, but our people need to hear from them. Uh, listen, the industry. I'm, when I say industry. When it comes to the infinite banking concept, becoming your own banker, these individuals understand the infinite banking concept. One is at the helm of a large life insurance company who understands banking. Okay. And then the other is uh, you'll be surprised who they are. I'm just telling you. And you won't find these two individuals in a room talking anywhere across the country under any general circumstances so they're really not to be missed in my opinion there'll be a continental breakfast uh, lunch an after party and a a room full of people who practice the infinite banking concept that are actually doing this and have been doing this these are not all new people that first time they've ever had exposure no these are practitioners with a little p that are actually doing it and you'll have the opportunity to meet them i don't know where else you can go in the country and meet a room full of people who are practicing the infinite banking concept yeah not in this way neither do i october 21st 8 30 in the morning to 5 p.m downtown fort worth clients only you'll receive an email uh, from one of our offices with information to or, and a link to purchase a ticket guests approved guests are welcome uh, further information on the website again October 21st 2023 see you there be there in this episode Ron and I discuss what a limited opportunity it is to pay a life insurance premium and what happens the longer you wait we had fun hope you enjoy welcome to the Bank of Life podcast I'm your host James Nethery and I'm your co-host Ryan Griggs so it's been a minute uh, thanks for listening. You have any topics that you, uh, yeah, I notated think, on your way down? I think the first thing we should talk about is how you're copying my jacket style. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it looks good on you, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, you wish I was copying you. Man. <laughs> um, maybe you should move into the blues. I don't know. Yeah. It's like you can do that, and I won't. You know, accuse you of copying <laughs> me. Okay, um, I quite like this jacket. Thank you, but I like yours too. It looks well. Thank you. It looks good. Um, so, you know, I, I think I'll just throw out some maybe some updates on the Banquet Life live event. Move out of that. Yeah, this is um, September twenty third. Surely it'll be released here in the next couple of weeks before the event in October downtown Fort Worth but last count one day last week just said that we had about 110 clients registered from all over the country actually 24 states are represented or will be so far so I'm excited about that that's a larger number than last year a couple more states than last year and that does not include the uh, my team here within the office so I would expect that maybe between 125 and 140 people Mm -hmm. to be in attendance. That's, I mean, I'm very proud 
and I'm very excited, and I can't wait, can't wait to meet um, clients that I've not met, and I can't wait to see the clients that I have met again. Yeah. Second annual Banking with Life live event, October, late October, October 21. I think it's a Saturday in October. October 21 uh, for clients and their invited, approved guests. Uh, and it's the tickets are still available. Like more people could mm-hmm. come if you, our current client can make it in October. That'd be awesome. So many of my clients will be there as well. I'll be there. Uh, my mom, who works with me, who my clients know works with me, they've talked to her. She'll be there. Uh, yeah, it's going to be, I, and I'm, I'm very pleased with the venue. Uh, I mean, the garden was nice, but I, I really like undisclosed location. Really? Fort Worth. You're gonna throw it out <laughs> who it is? <laughs> really? Oh, uh, you can bleep that out at um, at, at two minutes and forty five seconds. <laughs> it's a nice venue in downtown. Oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, I'm and, and you know, look, I want to say that we're not. I'm not trying to withhold anything at all. Just don't want randos, randos yeah. showing up. Yeah. You know, uh, and as a matter of fact, the client only event. It's a client-only event. You know, we're giving things to our clients or making things available to our clients that are not available to other people. It's it's a uh, it's a I feel like it's a way that you know I can show appreciation and exclusivity, yeah. exclusivity, whatever. I mean. So well, and it's a good opportunity to go a lot deeper too. Like it, it's a big challenge because we're gonna, both going to be speaking, and you know when you talk to a, a general or wide audience, maybe some people who are doing IBC, some people who aren't, some who are agents, some who are just members of the public. There's you know that's a certain kind of audience, but then for our specific people who have gone through your people who have gone through your process, people who have gone through my process. We know that they've already built up a certain foundation and a certain style of thinking about what IBC is, about what policy design implies, and you know how one would interact with the policy. So we can assume a lot, already, at least the way I look at it when I think about what how what I'm going to talk on. I can assume a lot. Sure, that's not that we can't otherwise, and then to go a lot deeper. Um, and I hope it'll be, you know, it, it, on the one hand, that's good because you can assume a lot and don't have to cover some of the essential foundation. On the other hand, it's it's a challenge, you know, and how how deep do you want to go? And maybe it's a personal conflict for me. I think like I don't want things to seem uh, irrelevant or too abstract or, or what have you. But because one of the questions, one of the thing I wanted to talk about today, just on the show in general, is that this recurring idea, and I get it from current clients, people who have been clients for a while, I get it from people who are just agents uh, online, people who, are, who see me online who aren't clients or not, it comes from all directions, is this how do I use my policy? And we've mentioned it, it's the other thing I worry about sometimes is repeating myself, but I, the same thing comes up over and over you know how do i use, okay we're doing this i'm paying a premium building cash value how do i use it mm-hmm. how, what, what do i go do i mean we we've talked about that so many times and and other people have too i'm i'm sure i hope um and i have uh very granular 
opinions on that. What do you tell people? Is it, okay, Jane, I'm doing this. I got cash value. What, what do I? Yeah, and, 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 and let me say that uh, speaking to that, and, and, I, and this is one thing I really like about, I don't believe uh, that uh, great minds think alike. I believe that great minds think independently. And um, this is, it happens generally at the think tank that occurs in February, has historically been in Birmingham, Alabama. You know, I, I probably, I've been going since maybe 2005 or six. Um, and it has happened uh, at least, I don't know how many times we've spoken on the same platform or within the same proximity. Maybe you're speaking somewhere. Maybe I'm speaking somewhere else. But we have spoke on the same platform mm-hmm. many times. And the consistency, unplanned consistency mm-hmm. of topics. And I really, uh, I really, really, it was reaffirmed one more time. You know, I've seen that. I've enjoyed it. I was surprised, intrigued when it first you know, when I first became aware of it, even through our conversations, because it, it is, um, you know, you don't want to be too simplistic. You don't want to be overly complicated and you want to to legitimately bring value. And I mean that in a non-marketing way, sincerely help people uh, through sharing of experience and, and ideas, right? Um, so it is a challenge to... Um, put together a, a talk that you feel good about and and we've talked about this too you know i i genuinely and and you as well but i don't want to speak for you you know i say what i want to say and i say what i think needs to be heard okay um and then kind of going back i think the title of my talk is and i know what i'm going to talk about i'm just rounding out the finer details and and it'll be legitimate uh, but I think the talk is going to be somewhere around along the lines of looking for the magic in IBC. Mm. And it's speaking directly to that. Because I've heard many times, because I've said it many times, so I've heard it repeated back to me. Well, just beyond the pay premium, 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 premium. Um, okay, and then what do I do? What do I do? And so I believe that there's a fine, hard, apparent element of FOMO. Fear of missing out. Mm. You know, I don't know what to do. That's probably the best position that you can be in. And I don't care what decision that you're facing is. I don't care what that decision that you got to make is. Not knowing is a pretty dang good place to start from. Mm. Okay. Um, And then I want to back up and say, listen, uh, don't, you know, not trying to admonish. If we're going to become our own banker, if we're going to control the banking function, which we've all been historically conditioned to abdicate that responsibility, and that abdication is reaffirmed, reaffirmed, reaffirmed in all medias across typical, quote unquote, financial planning. And we've talked about this, that the the banking function is left out. So not only have you been, and me too, we have been conditioned to abdicate our responsibility. That was not even an idea or concept or of a possibility that you could control the banking function and tell Nelson Nash. Mm -hmm. Okay. Before you can practice banking, you have to have capital. So because you promote, I promote, continually encourage the proper 
formation of capital. You cannot jump over that. And it takes it takes time. Yeah, you can you can have ample cash values to collateralize in the first year, but that is so important. In the beginning, it seems to be uh, discounted, overlooked, and, it, and then I think too, it's easy for that to be overlooked because of the noise that's out there. You just type in infinite banking, infinite banking concepts, become your own banker. And 500,000 things come up, mm-hmm. and most of them are paid for promotions, and I'm a capitalist, okay. Um, but you've got to step over an awful lot of noise to find the good, legitimate content, in my opinion. So there are several factors that, um, that cause that type of inadequate thinking. The thinking that you're inadequate, I don't know what to do. Somebody needs to tell me what to do. That makes me feel inadequate. I'm just paying premiums. I'm talking about that inadequacy, right? Um, I think it's prevalent for those reasons. Yeah, so. no, that's all very good. So when you, when you mentioned the the potential title of your, of your talk, Looking for the Magic, I looked up the word gimmick on the etymology website Edom Online. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1910, American English, perhaps an alteration of gimcrack or an anagram of magic. Gimmick is yeah. an anagram of magic. Mm-hmm. According to the, according to Edom yeah. Online, so and they are like, and I'm not shocked. Oh uh, yeah, I'll, I know we'll get like seem to be flippant about what one might characterize as the gimmicks online about what I've referred to in the past is just creative insurance design or you know, doing, doing things with premium. Somebody's going to trademark that in order to creative insurance design. Um, yeah. In order to like <clears throat> to manufacture an artificial high cash value growth early on to facilitate the sale, all the stuff that we've talked about before. It's like, that is my antagonism to that attitude. And, you know, it, still in conversations with new clients, and I get it. There's so many episodes of the podcast. You're not going to have heard them all. Some some people have. That's great, but you know the all of the importation of the conventional language. You know, the tool in the toolbox, the diversification, another arrow in the quiver. You know, a, a, an element of my portfolio. All of this financial language that we unintentionally subconsciously is just so easily import from a prior financial framework bothers me so much because it's like you it's it's not going to serve you you're not you're going to miss the bigger picture you're going to miss the forest for focusing on the composition of the bark of one freaking tree if you just focus (laughs) if, if you attempt to conceptualize or categorize or refer to whole life built for IBC or the infinite banking concept more broadly as just another kind of financial asset. Like it's, or or just a a particular approach to investing. I mean, and I've tried to hit this like front on with people who start using and have an introductory call with new clients or in the first advisory call with new clients where they'll start using this kind of language. And I'm like, you know, what I have found is really helpful is to distinguish between capitalization on the one hand and investment on the other. Investment is you giving up control over and access to capital. Capitalization is you securing and maximizing it. They're fundamentally two different things. They They can be stacked, maybe should be stacked. Great. 
but they are different and they should be sequentially ordered, not just floating out in the universe, <laughs> but instead structured. Maybe we should structure, put a frame around our thinking in a specific manner. Uh, and capitalization should come first. The purposeful, systematic, concentrated, structured uh acquisition and building up of financial value of monetary value of the monetary value of property of capital uh, that should come first that is what we mean when i say that's what i mean when i say capitalizations purposeful systematic uh, accumulation of of monetary value and you and i had a conversation earlier uh maybe yesterday maybe the day before because uh, I have big <laughs> PUA premium payments upcoming. Carpet. Uh, <laughs> and, Do you have any? I don't want to y'all. Never mind. <laughs> no, so, so we, and I was, we were just talking through that. And, you know, it happens year after year. I've got three now, three, I have four total, but three substantial, real properly designed IBC style policies and big premiums associated with it. And there's a tension. Compared to what? Well, compared to how much money I earn, that's <laughs> okay. It's there. It's a lot of cat. It's a lot. It's a substantial percentage of my annually annual cash flows, and there's a there's a degree of discomfort there. Perfect. Like and it's exactly where I was going. Like the and this that degree of discomfort recurs right it's like okay each year there's this substantial it's not a requirement but it's an expectation to get a lot of premium paid and that the regularity of that discomfort and that tension and that reaching to to, to pay as much as one reasonably can given our financial circumstances there's a structure to that there's an intensity to that, a concentration to that kind of financial management that is totally absent from any other kind of program or marketing pitch. Yeah, or, who do you know wakes up, is woken up in the middle of the night or whatever, and, I, and I've, you know, I, I say things and, and maybe they're anecdotal or what have you, but I'm telling you they're based in truth. Um, how many times have you been bothered uncomfortable any level but a level of anxiety when it comes to your financial position your financial decision how many people that, that are investing in real estate now i know it happens in real estate quite a bit but let, let's take real estate out but like uh, the 401k the 403b the the set plan you know the self-directed ira uh, Roth, all of them, all across the board. I don't care if you're day trading, you know, short selling. I don't, whatever it is you're doing in the financial world, right? Um, and I understand in real estate, there's a certain amount of undue risk when you inherit. But how many individuals in those circumstances, you know, I'm limited on what I can pay and these different investments. How often? Do you think that their level of anxiety goes up whenever they think about, well, okay, I've got to make my 6,500 contribution to whatever. Mm. You know, it's like, yeah, no, we just have a payroll deducted. It's almost, it's on autopilot, you know, and then, and, and you think that that's going to take care of you in quote unquote retirement, passive income time? No, you know, you know, as well as I do, it's not. Um, 
And my point here is if, if you're not paying substantial, if you understand the infinite banking concept, you've gone through the proper foundation, becoming your own banker, building a warehouse of wealth, how privatized banking really works, Nelson's six and a half hour video series. You know, I'm, I'm a little biased to, and I know it's dated and currently it's on plastic, the Banking with Live DVD, the Mechanics series, the over 125 hours that are at no cost on this channel. And, and I understand it's not all educational. There's a lot of nuance when, whenever we talk, but over 25 guests, unpaid people that have been or started early, very early, potentially in practicing the infinite banking concept, them sharing their experience, their thinking, and there's no cost to any of that. I mean, um, so... Whenever you're exposed to it and you vet it properly, I think just with the material and the reference that I just laid out, you will be able to understand what the noise is. You'll be able to spot the noise, okay? Um, once you're at that level and you put your toes in and we all start too small, it's a, it's a matter of time before someone tells you no. You're overinsured, quote unquote, by, you know, National Association of Insurance Commissioners limitations, or it's not suitable because you're paying too much in premium. Um, you're ever, who's ever going to get a call from Wall Street and said, oh, no, you're going to put too much money into this mm-hmm. investment? You know, the IRS is going to limit what you can put into investments. I get that. Do you, do you understand what I'm yeah. saying? I mean, so this, it's is like, where, this is where our conversation went the other day, is what you stressed to me after I was talking about these big upcoming premiums and. You mentioned this, the structure and the form. <laughs> I mentioned my workout schedule to a friend yesterday, and he's like, oh, wow, that's a, that's a lot of discipline. I'm like, let's not use the word discipline. Let's call it structure, okay? <laughs> discipline, I want to rebel against discipline. But structure, okay, I can get my arms around that. A little order out of the chaos, that's great. Uh, but yeah, so you, what, you had, what you mentioned after that was you'll only be able to buy life insurance for so long. Yep. You know, and we've you've mentioned the maximum insurability standards. You can only the industry's gonna tell you what your human life value is, right? How valuable your life is. Death benefit to them is indemnification for loss. Your beneficiaries are supposed to be benefiting from your future income. A rough approximation of the present value of your future income is most people's maximum insurability, right? Or their net worth. Net worth typically isn't higher, but it can be. Anyway, you've got there's a limit. And as I was stressing to a client just yesterday, you're going to hit a peak. There's going to be a maximum insurability at some point, a, 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 a peak maximum insurability that you'll have at some point where your annual income multiplied by what we call an income factor, right? Rough approximation of the number of years over which you may continue to be working. That product, annual income times an income, an income factor, will reach a maximum number at some point. And if you consistently practice the infinite banking concept, you abide by or fight against Parkinson's law, you continue to expand your system, you pay more premium as income goes up, maybe even a greater percentage of income as income goes up. What? uh, Then you're going to get to a point where the total amount of death benefit you've already got on policies you already own exceeds whatever your maximum insurance level is. That will happen it's happened to some of my clients already and so there there's it's a it's a fact that you're going to reach a limit and then okay you know we can insure other people 
the internet and these um, marketing people make it seem so easy. Let me just swap out the name, my name with somebody else's name and I'll just insure somebody else. I, maybe these people just don't do a lot of those kinds of applications. Maybe well, they just they, don't the know. The time is spent on the presentation. There are so many good presentations out. Well, seem appearingly, yeah. they seem produced, very good. Yeah, huh? produced presentation. Yeah, very, very well produced. Yeah. It's, it's like I'm taking. I'm going to go down this rabbit hole and 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 um, yeah, like no. Yeah, it it's, is not easy no. to just insure somebody else to get that off of you. It's best not to get it on you. It's best to stay with the original works, in my opinion. And, and have a basis in there so you can vet. That's part of being able to identify the noise, yeah. right? So, and and I don't want to sidetrack you, but proper, there's a, and get pushed back regularly from within the, the advisory world, agents that can spell IBC. Um, you know, I want to go back to the, uh, like you get, all kinds of stuff out there that that is not clear on insurability, that is not clear on insurable interest. It makes a great presentation if you don't understand some basic fundamentals. Mm-hmm. If you're not able to identify the noise. I mean, they're very charismatic. It's it's produced very well. It sounds, you know, plausible, but practically oh. not necessarily so. And then the outcome of some of these things and i'm being positive right that that it's not going to serve you the policy owner well they may get paid the insurance company everybody gets paid you know two out of three ain't bad that y'all have heard that many times <laughs> um so it's it's the uh, fundamentals in my opinion and who wants to listen why does why why would it why would a professional athlete that that has been a professional at a high level for 10 years show up at practice when they go over the basics? Mm. Why would they do that? And, and so, and I've been accused of, you know, well, you're just talking about paying premium or you're so fundamental. Let me see the catchy stuff. I've, I've done my share of those trying to convey the power of the infinite banking concept. You tell me why a professional and I'm just using the athletic professional, why do they continually, regularly, on purpose, with intent, revisit every year, throughout the year, the fundamentals of their craft or their game? I have a... uh, So on my my, uh, website, for my contact form, when someone gets in touch with me, Uh uh, I have a question on here. It's navigating to it. And it's kind of a, it's not a trick, but it's a little bit of a ploy. You got a click funnel on it there? Says, what are you saying? No, no. <laughs> I ask, how would you characterize your understanding of the IBC? Oh, you asked this on your get in touch. Mm-hmm. Oh, perfect. So here's the four options. I haven't started my research yet. Mm-hmm. Number one. Fair. Fair. Number two, I've started to look into it, but I'm still learning. Fair. Two. Number three, I know enough by now that I've got the general gist of it. Mm-hmm. And then number four is I've mastered it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So does a pe- red flag come up on your <laughs> side when they check that? I'll have some people who, and then because there's other questions on here, like what have you done? You know, have you read Becoming Your Own Banker? Have you read Building Your Own Welsh? Watch the Mechanic Series, Banking with Life DVD. And, you know, what's your background with it? And so I have that information. And then I have what they characterize as their understanding. 
And the ones who mark, I have mastered it. I'm like, oh boy. I, I already know that a lot of what's, should we even proceed through an advisory process, a lot of what we're going to have to do is undo the things that they've built up in sure. their mind. Yeah. Uh, my, my very favorite <laughs> <laughs> is when brand new agents who want assistance, which is understandable, will go in there and, oh, yeah, I've, I've mastered it. I'm like, oh, oh, you have. Hmm. Perfect. Uh, yeah, great. Maybe you should teach me. Please, gosh, please, please don't. But I mean, that anyway. I thought that was. I, I got a couple. I want to go back to you know the the uh, typical traditional financial planning construct and and how do you? Uh, it, it's so different, right? The infinite bank concept and building capital strategically on purpose with intent contractually. Um, and then it it gets mixed in with all of the other financial terminology. Yeah, you know, if you if you think about it, the way I see that is, um, if I if I'm not aware of the infinite bank account, if I if I don't know that it exists, and I've been doing you know real estate, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and whatever type of an account, five twenty nine, four hundred one k, four hundred three b, four fifty seven plan, pension plan, whatever it is, I mean that's my framework of understanding. Right. So I'm trying to put that in there, you know, so I can wrap my mind around it. Um, so I think that's fair, mm -hmm. right? Um, but then that is also encouraged and compounded whenever you have the either the the unaware, the uninitiated financial planner, quote unquote, whomever they are, whatever licenses they have or don't have, um, and they're really in the same kind of mind frame. Right, because the uh, conventional advisor is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, whether or not they've checked the box that they've mastered, <laughs> you know, on your on your website. So I, I understand that, you know, and I'm not hostile to that. Um, I just want to point that out that that it's in their yeah. framework. And then on your on your website, is there a link to register to this live event? Or no. do you just send them to the, on the website that anybody could go to to register? No, there's okay. not. <laughs> you no. And then you know I've mentioned and you just mentioned building a warehouse of wealth. Um, I, I just want to point out because I'm, you know, we sit down and Mr. Griggs may have some things you want to talk about, may not. I may have, may not, probably not. But uh, building your warehouse of wealth. And it's coming up this week because I've talked to brand new agents, brand new people, and they think they have a good understanding and they may have a good understanding, but nobody ever mentions building your warehouse of wealth. Mm. You know, it's required reading. If you want to speak with authority or have a solid, legitimate, well-rounded foundation of the infinite bank account, Nelson Nash, that's his second published work. You can't leave that off. And I'm not saying it takes priority or precedence over becoming your own banker. Nothing does. I don't care how they spell it, mutilate it, me to it, bastardize it or whatever. Nothing out there in the big wide world is adding to this or improving this, my opinion. And tell me I'm wrong. Prove me wrong. But don't look overlook building your warehouse of wealth. I wish I had one. I'd There's really great, uh, just a couple of the things that, I really like in building a warehouse of wealth. The story he tells about buying the hundred acres of farmland from his pilot friend, wonderful example of capital attracting opportunity. Going back to what we were talking about earlier, when someone asks me, you know, what do I do with, I just had this call a few days ago with the current client, several policies, family members have policies and 
uh, my couple things in here. I think the conventional financial framework is just empty marketing. I don't think there's substance to it. I think that uh, they kind of took the government's word for granted when they said that these tax qualified plans are good for you and that Uncle Sam's looking out for you and they want to help you get in bed with Wall Street. Took We're going to give word you for it. Yeah. Uh, gonna, no collusion ever happened there, right? right. 401k plan, late 80s. Yeah. Mutual funds up. Yeah. I'll have clients ask me because I could see, you know, if they were. When we're into the advisory phase, they provided financials. You know, they'll mention a tax qualified plan, maybe through an employer, maybe their own, like a SEP or whatever, Roth IRA. And eventually, we get to a point, especially once we actually see on an illustration review what's going to happen to a policy over time. And you know, they'll just ask kind of gently, you know, what do you think about you know continuing to contribute or maybe reducing contributions or stopping contributions or maybe even liquidating and. My answer always is a preface. I'm not an investment advisor, so I don't. I can't give investment advice. So this is my. Well, I'll tell you what I think. There is still a First Amendment in this country. Like I can still have opinions. <laughs> you know, like that. The the the, the uh, demagoguery in finance. Uh, like, oh, you can't give investment advice. Well, I have thoughts. You know, and I can read and think. So I okay, and I do have an economic background, and so I'll tell you what I think economically. Like I think the idea that the government's out there to help you, and that you're going to participate in a tax qualified plan, and that's in <clears> your <throat> favor. I think that's kind of silly on its face. Nor is it does it have anything to do with banking. So every dollar that gets routed to a tax qualified plan is a dollar that's not going to premium. Which maybe you want to do that, but it's fundamentally different. And then I love this one. We talked about this before. You know the idea that oh it's free money. I'm going to get free money from my because <laughs> everyone's out to give you free money through a government plan. Okay, free money. What's money? The general medium of exchange. You can use it to buy stuff. Okay, well you got a nice ten percent penalty paywall plus income taxes between you and age 59 and a half you're not using that money to buy anything so it's not money in the economic sense of a general medium of exchange nor is it free because to get to it you got to pay fees and taxes so in what sense is it free money oh you're going to see a number on a screen that's bigger than it was before some contribution look tax qualified plans are marketed to employers you, the employee, are not the customer. You're included because the IRS has rules that require the employer to involve a certain number of people. And the most preferable tax qualified plans to the employer are the ones with the least amount of restrictions for how many people they have to include. Like, you're, it's not like they're doing you a favor. And by the way, when we go to these, uh, <laughs> insurance agent of life financial people events with these home office companies which i am so over it's you're sitting in a room with a bunch of tax paper shufflers they're pushing pension plans that's all that they're not pensions right pension has a you'd think defined benefit it's not right they're defined contribution type plans some nowadays are de- <laughs> more like a defined benefit but anyway it's both that still exist <laughs> but they're all tax qualified plan pushers they're they're yeah. telling employers their clients that you should create a tax liability of an unknown magnitude in the future like in the medical field, the the Hippocratic Oath, which I understand only a small percentage of medical professionals still follow, but <laughs> the rule is first do no harm. Okay, in the financial world, how is it you you had have to, you at least the burden is on the conventional people on them to explain to me how creating a liability, a tax liability in the future of an unknown magnitude 
at timing of, that the government gets to decide, how is that not doing harm? Like, explain that to me. Gregscapitalstrategy.com, if you want to explain <laughs> that to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You fill out that little form of it. But, so I, I don't, the whole conventional setup to call, to say that there's a, 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 a framework or like a, a, a planning approach. No, there's not. It's a marketing structure that takes government words f- for granted that gets laundered through a corporate HR legal department so that we can then sell product to facilitate the sale of product to people. And okay, so p- then someone asked, going back to the client conversation, they're going to ask me, what do I think? Well, am I going to lay all that on them right then? You know, it's like that's a... so. People take different approaches. Some will phase out. Some will moderate their contributions. But this is so emblematic of like what I see. If I, and I was thinking on the drive up here, if I were to look through the different financial forms, financial data collection that I've taken over the last six years almost now, you know, it's always this scattershot, piecemeal, uh, unstructured sort of non-deliberate kind of approach, right? We've got a little bit of this, got a little bit of that. Oh, this sounded interesting, so I bought a little bit of that. Or there was this interesting person who pushed this certain kind of unconventional alternative asset. I bought some of that. Oh, I got a trust, right? Because now lawyers are financial advisors too, right? What could go wrong? So I got you know a, a little special <laughs> legal entity over here, and I'm doing all these things. I'm so active, and activity is good because it's better than being passive. There's And I, it, it's just, to me, it looks like complete scatter shot right and it's a little i mean literally if you if you backed up and really looked across the landscape it's it's a little psychotic yeah no under kind of technically yeah yeah whether it's on purpose or not whether you know it's known or not known i'm not i'm just you back up and you know i learned that early on in my career that that most people whether they paid for a plan or they think they have a plan they may have great ideas and thoughts in their mind and there there's some activity you know buying life insurance from my brother-in-law because everybody's ever you know everybody's been a licensed agent and so um, they move jobs, they have a 401k or whatever over there, over here, over there. Then their spouse has one over here, one over there. And I mean, I've done retirement planning a long time. And part of it, I mean, a legitimate part of retirement planning is understanding the incongruency of what they've done. And it's hmm. and it's every time, but different, right? And And so... You know, you've got your head down, you're working, you're putting up money, whether you're, you're buying real estate, whatever it is you're doing, I mean, you're doing something, right? But, and you're working, you have worked or working with so many different people and everybody has their opinion, right? Including me yep. and their experience, including me. Um, and, but it's all just different, inconsistent. It's all of their capital. It's all of their accounts. Um, and there's quite often... No consistency. I mean, that's a fundamental, a fundamental uh, requirement that, or 
or part of a legitimate quote unquote retirement plan that I learned early on, it's making sense of that, making them congruent and consistent to work. And then you mentioned earlier sequence of uh, priority. There's a sequence of priority that you take income and passive income time with all of your assets. Um, there, there are a sequence in, in, in capital structure, proper sequence that, and when I say proper, I know it's broad, but we're shortcutting um, all of that scattered thought. We're making things more consistent. How can it, maybe I'm 50, 55, 60, 65, 70 before I discovered the infinite banking concept? How do I make that make sense? If, if I've done my homework and I'm like, yes, this is it, um, or I want to participate at whatever level, um, how does that? properly um, get integrated into your whole financial portfolio or all of these things that you've done. And I just don't think that, um, you know, and I'm not picking on anyone, but, you know, the algorithms, I look too long on certain things on social media. So things get fed to me and I see these young advisors, which I'm very happy to see. Right. Because, you know, uh, I think the average age of the advisor is much higher than I think it personally should be. So I like to see it going. So I like to see these young people coming into, you know, the financial world and especially properly into the infinite banking concept footprint. Right. But you listen to them and my heart goes out to them. I mean, they're like slinging policies and, and they're unstructured or not properly structured, the wrong type. They're using buzzwords that 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 people are hearing more often, the infinite banking concept, you know, borrowing against a policy, whatever, you know, terminology that they use. Most of the time it's not proper. And I've been guilty of that, too. There's no question. I'm not perfect. Um, and then my heart, you know, is just. A little hurt, a little. I'm a little saddened. Yep, I like to see the young people coming in, doing things, and then they go off on whatever they're excited about. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a train wreck. Or they're going to learn to do something different. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I mean, I know there was a lot there, but there is a proper sequence of taking income. There's a proper sequence of building capital. And when you understand the infinite banking concept and you're working with a competent agent or advisor, and I know that's broad too, someone who understands Nelson's work, understands the infinite banking concept, has a, a broad base, fundamental knowledge of the investment world, whether you're licensed as an investment advisor or not, um, so you can properly meet someone where they're at. And at whatever level of understanding or cash ability, cash flow ability, meeting them where they're at and laying a proper foundation. <clears throat> and I and, and that just brings to mind that I don't know how many times I've been beat up within the financial community, within the infinite banking footprint of structure, 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 you know, and you get lost in the weeds or no, 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 no. Nelson had structure in all of the cases that he referenced, printed and shared in the infinite in, in the infinite banking world in his book, Becoming Your Own Banker. Right. And, and, I've, and I've gone over them ad nauseum, talked about them the last several talks. There was structure. Structure is important because if you 
don't build the correct foundation, whatever structure you put on top of that is going to fail. So fundamentally, a proper foundation includes a proper structure of policies if that's what you choose to engage in. Which implies deliberate company selection. Among other things, because, absolutely. Because these ter- the, the terms and conditions governing the features of these policies are different across companies. Mm-hmm. When I start an advisory process, we go through company selection with people, and it's like they've never heard any of this before. Oh, no. How many times do you hear that? Well, no one's ever asked me that. Oh, what? No one's ever asked me that. It's, oh, that's a great question. It's always like putting water on a dry sponge. I mean, it's just... Yeah. Th- it's so it's such a, it's like an unnatural conversation to people because it's there isn't any of it online in general really like discussion of different products and along the criteria of what might be favorable from an IBC perspective because if you have an inflexible PUA writer for instance then there will be there will be an inherent tendency to select a more moderate total premium outlay right if you have a a, a relatively rigid uh, premium payment requirements in order to keep P, the PUA rider on the contract, in order to keep the policy enforced, in order to keep the term rider alive. The way to manage that rigidity is with a lower scale, less premium, and all that. And that is what it is. I mean, it's not the end of the world. Maybe that's fine. Maybe, if, maybe if you're one of these unicorns I've never met, where cash flow just comes in at a perfectly predictable interval at the same magnitude all the time forever, that's not a problem for you. Okay, maybe. But if you're like the rest of us down here in reality, where there's some irregularity to cash flow and to free cash flow, right, to the magnitude of the difference between income and expenses, that is, that is therefore available to pay premium, well, then some degree of flexibility is going to be important. And even more so for people with a lot of variation or seasonality or cyclicality to their income generation. You need that flexibility. That implies that company selection should come first. And that means some companies are going to be better than others because better in terms of alignment and adherence to what your specific financial circumstances would imply right and i don't that is so different that type of qualitative approach is so different from just this quantitative and then if you add in that we're talking about structure and long-term orientation and discipline and really developing a practice and i like discipline not so much in the sense of like punishment which is how i normally hear it but but discipline in the sense of like your major or your specialty or your area of expertise you know like where your particular deep specialization is in the division of labor if we talk about discipline in that sense well we're developing a discipline in systematic capitalization over time and if i'm if that if I'm going to practice, truly practice that year after year over the very long term, well, the terms and conditions governing my rights and obligations in the contract in the <clears throat> first year are going to be the same ones governing it in the 25th year. Like, so these, there are, the, there are long, special long term implications of the degree of flexibility in the contract you buy today. You may not need the flexibility need the flexibility in PUA premium payment right now, but what's to say you won't in ten or fifteen years? Mm-hmm. And like, why not have it? Like, if you were building out a structure that could be most accommodating, most accounting for the degree of uncertainty between now and however long in the future, why wouldn't you go get that? 
I think the only reason you wouldn't go get it is because you didn't know it was an option. Right? If you know what's going on, and, and you'll know what to do. maybe you're potentially working with someone who doesn't you know, have a product or a company or the understanding of that importance. Yeah, and, I, and this is the other thing. I just don't, I don't think they think in those terms. There's, there's so much, I was, as you were talking earlier, I'm like walking around with the implicit idea of like the conventional financial framework in mind is like having on beer goggles. Like it, it, it's disorienting, right? Like what's where, it, it's chaotic in, in like this metaphysical, psychological sense. There's no structure, there's no form to anything. So then it's therefore very easy for me, the consumer, to feel like, and, and I think these feelings are promoted on purpose, um, that I'm not able, I'm not capable, mm. or so complicated that I want to just extricate myself from that. So I'll rely on you. I like you. I trust you. Big name, big whatever, big charts. So I'm going to rely on you. So therefore, I don't have to have the discipline and not the practice, but the actual discipline in an encouraging way <clears throat> you know i don't want I'll, I'll take correction but i need discipline outside of my professional discipline physically mentally you know i need that <clears throat> so I'm, I'm speaking of discipline in that term where but in a good and positive way you know i need the discipline i need the regularity i want to i want the premium due notice you know, I want to, mm. I want to have to, I want to, and I get it, you know, you're forced sometimes under pressure because of the unequal cash flows um, that we all incur throughout our life. Um, I need the, the discipline. I need the, and so I'm embracing discipline and, and I need the, the systematic, right? Annual premium, monthly premium, whatever it is, anniversary dates on however many policies I have. It keeps my head in the game. Mm-hmm. I cannot, therefore, abdicate my responsibility. I'm not relying or depending on anyone. The life insurance company, my financial advisors, you know, the CPA, uh, I, it's me. The buck stops here. Mm-hmm. And that has value that that is very hard to maybe put your finger on. Maybe it takes some time period to look back and say, oh, my gosh, that part of, I mean, that made a huge difference. You know, I mean, I can look back over my life and, you know, if I hadn't decided to buy the first policy structured and I was a life insurance agent 14 years before, you know, I was exposed to the infinite banking concept. I started too small, said it many times, most of you, most of all of us, I want to speak for you. We, we start too small. Um, but, you know, I still have those policies, wrong structure, wrong <laughs> company. Um, I still have them pay substantial premium by the time you put them all together. You know, I think there's five-ish or so policies that I still have with the wrong company, wrong structure from the beginning. Um, but, you know, you look back and you can look at dividends. You can look at cash on cash points. You can look at whatever you want to on an illustration. What you cannot see on the annual statement and what you cannot see on an enforced illustration or the original illustration, I don't care how it's manipulated or presented. You cannot look at my annual statements from that company, from those five policies that, you know, uh, direct recognition, don't pay a dividend anyway. (laughs) Okay. And I'm not mentioning the companies. They're out there. And if I did, everybody would recognize them. You cannot see the vacations that were financed, the medical deductions, the dental deductions, the credit cards, the 
All of the things that my lovely wife and I have used those policies to achieve. Mm -hmm. So what's the value of that? The real estate that was purchased or remodeled or whatever was done. And there was a lot done and continues to be done. So do I really care about what I cannot control? I didn't know that it wasn't the best company or the preferred company or there were better opportunities. I didn't know. Mm -hmm. So when I learned, uh, do something better, right? Okay. Uh, can't control the dividend, even though they're very profitable on my part because I repay my loans, right? And I pay my premiums as illustrated regularly with flexibility. Um, but I'm a pretty good policyholder. I'm very profitable for the company. I continue to, to remain healthy with that discipline of health, you know, so the, the death benefit hopefully is further out than, you know, their actuaries predicted. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, my, my point is the policies that I own are very profitable for the company. Um, and you can't put all that. So as a marginal of a company as I perceive them to be today, I'm not going to not pay a premium. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to sell the policy. I'm not going to surrender. I'm not going to 1035 exchange it. I'm not going to do all that. I mean, I'm using them. And you can't see any of that on an illustration. Right. Very... Uh, powerful so if we didn't start didn't pay the premium and go through the learning curve all of that adds and builds to the practical applicable discipline so and all and all under the personal ownership of the individual you know and oh my gosh because this one's come up a lot recently these are always fun oh i saw a youtube video i'm gonna get a trust and I'm going to have my trust oh, go get the policy and the trust is going to own the policy. And then when I want to use money from the trust, well, then the executive director of the trust or the trustee, which is me, is going to authorize, uh, get, you know, request a policy loan in my capacity as the trustee to be distributed to the beneficiary of the trust because trust assets can only be used for the beneficiaries of the trust, right? Which is not you directly. Okay, so we've got to take, you know, in in the capacity of trustee, take the policy loan from the company and then issue that to the beneficiary. And then the beneficiary then has to loan that to me personally for me to then go use for whatever I'm going to use it for. And hopefully the IRS didn't come back and examine that whole transaction and say, hey, you're just shortcutting through the beneficiary to get money back to you personally when trust assets were supposed to be used for the beneficiary. We don't talk about any of that, right? Oh, and then... uh, is the is the trust going to apply for where's the insurable what insurable interest does the trust have in the trustee oh there isn't one okay so you personally then have to go and be the proposed owner on the policy and then you're going to transfer ownership of that policy to the trust what happens when you come back around to get the next policy and explain to the underwriter why death benefit currently enforces and owned by you is that an estate transfer strategy maybe it is it very well could be is the advisor going to argue that to the company is the advisor you bought the policy from in the first place even providing service that long after the fact for when you come back around to get the second policy to then explain that to the underwriter are you going to remember that hmm but oh but you know try got to get a lawyer involved let's make it complicated Right, let's have a trust. It's becoming, look, it doesn't say hire a trust to be your banker. It says becoming your own. 
the, the words, you couldn't choose words with fewer letters. Your <laughs> own bank, you personally becoming you as a natural individual person. Yes, you have a social security number, got to pay income taxes. We're not going to go down that whole rabbit hole. Capital either. letters. Yeah. <laughs> Your own banker. You, you personally. Nelson described dividend paying whole life as a pre-engineered trust. The reasons one would want to have assets owned in a trust are the vast majority of which are already natural characteristics of the policy. He compared life insurance policies to pre-engineered tax-free trust. It's already creditor protected. The, the characteristics of each. It's already private. You already have total control. You already can stipulate who the beneficiary is. What? We just need to find a reason to pay lawyers some money. Is really but it what made it a is. good presentation, kind of going back to you know our points earlier. It's a very you know you lay it out. You're using the right buzzwords and the legal framework. Or oh, the, drop the R word. The can, Rockefellers did it. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh! Wait, I, I'll, I'll update you on some of that. Uh, not publicly, sorry. Uh, Oh, okay. Yeah, no, no, look, okay. I'll write that down for later. So, you know, the grantor to the trust and three major components of a trust. I'm not an attorney, not giving legal advice at all. Um, the grantor, the payor, the life insurance, right? The trustee, the life insurance company, and then uh, the, the beneficiaries. I mean, oh my gosh. And then it's life insurance is actually legally technically the internal buildup is tax deferred i know lazy language tax free tax free that is accessible tax free the death benefit fundamentally to uh beneficiaries is tax free now all that can be complicated with max and insurable interest and all that but fundamentally it's like why I mean, didn't 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 the life insurance companies hire all the attorneys to construct this? <laughs> no, I we mean, need to have more attorneys. Uh, and, another and, layer of. And I have no, I got, I have nothing but love for the professional attorney, okay, and the professional tax preparer. I'm not disparaging any of them. I mean, I know some of the best in the country personally, even though they're retiring and not taking new <laughs> clients because they're that's how good they are, right? Okay. Um, do I, do I, why do I want to complicate that? And, and, and then I want to say this, that those illustrations that, or those types of presentations that I've had to suffer through and I try to minimize my suffering, it always winds up to tax-free or a greater rate of return in all of that construct, jumping over a dang lot of details. How many tax returns do I have to pay for when I, when I have money flowing through all of these entities? And yeah, there's never a problem until there's a problem. You can, and I, I granted it is very simple. I think simplicity is a virtue. There's never a problem until there's a problem. Do you think the IRS uh, is going to overlook you forever? And maybe so. Well, ask Peter Schiff how long they overlooked his father <laughs> and the outcome of that. And all of the other people in history that have pointed out the uh, fallacy of our current tax structure. You know, but it is what it is. Um, and that great big presentation that, that, that now I'm ad-libbing here and adding to for emphasis, all of the views that you paid for, 
all of the subs that you paid for, all of the watch time that you paid for to make it look like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest idea. Look at all these other people looking at it. And then it's a fabulous presentation. All of the little details that are jumped over. So yeah, what's the outcome of that? Well, there's never a problem till there's a problem, but by golly, when there's a problem, are they going to go uh, address the attorneys that helped you set that up? Are they going to address the advisor that helped you set that up? Maybe if what they're doing is illegal, maybe they're going after you. It's you and all this capital structure that that you with good intentions are putting together for you, your family, your future lineage. Uh, and then that doesn't happen. And, and I'm going to I'm going to sacrifice that. Mm. Oh, for a good presentation to hopefully mitigate my taxes, and and of, of course I want to mitigate taxes, but in a in a in an unvetted, I don't care if they have a private letter ruling doesn't apply to you unless you have mm. it, right? And and so I want to sacrifice all of that to get early liquidity to involve get involved in a complicated structure that, and you know what. Mm. Just pay forty five, sixty, seventy thousand dollars for that construct mm-hmm. because that'll add to the validity. Well, it's expensive and complicated, so it must be good. Oh, it's so simple. I'll just pay the taxes that I owe, no more if I can help it, and control the capital <laughs> that's gonna fulfill all of the desires. For me currently, yeah. the future. And that really is the opportunity. I mean, it's such the opposite of the conventional financial framework, and that's why I get uncomfortable sitting around a bunch of tax pushers and conventional life insurance type rooms. Is the, the the admonition is the complete opposite. Take the bullet. Take the, at the known tax rate at the known amount. That's not even this a bullet. Year. That's a smaller bullet. Let right. me pay taxes in a known bracket. In right. a known bracket. Right now. Expose what's left to this beautiful compounding growth curve that'll last for the rest of my life, where I can go get to it, go get to all that surplus. And pay tax the taxes on that productive rate. activity. You know, if I collateralize a policy and I buy real estate or whatever it is I do, yeah. I'm going to pay taxes within that characterization of that activity. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. I, you're not going to get around that, in my opinion, legally successfully yeah. now you can practice it at such a low level that you know the irs is going to overlook it and not catch it forever i get it it's possible yeah and just tell it's not just take that up at scale i mean i go into this with re- the real estate people all the time i know i'm not against real estate i'm not against crypto do whatever you want all the investment type activities are great ibc is like you've said put jet put jet engines on what you're doing anyway but to me like the the idea of all i'm going to do is make money and buy real estate it's like what's that look like at scale and the answer is a career change right because <laughs> what's that look like at age 70 when one of the spouses graduate or they don't right and yeah you're gonna hire the i, I don't want to crack on it but I like real estate, but it should be really? done in the context of a broader systematic capitalization strategy, right? The and I brought that brought this up on a call that went way too long with a new client, but I like talking to her, and so it came up naturally. I'm like, for the people who want to jump on the investment stuff, because that's what often happens, right? For the people who are into real estate, they're already doing some of that. They've skipped over the capitalization part, and so the sequence is out of order. I'm in a hurry. Right. And so we got a, there's kind of like, there's a transition process to get things structured correctly, or you don't fix a broken bone right away. You got to let it heal and mend and get in the right order over time. But once 
it's there it can it, it, the two are going to feed on each other and serve each other over sure. time because the my well my point to this uh to this lady was that the the banking problem doesn't go away <laughs> in fact even if the especially if the investment activities of whatever sort they may be real estate whatever if they go well the banking problem gets worse like the need to uh, to channel that much greater volume of cash flow to assets you own is now a much greater problem so like to say oh and then another way this gets tied in is with inflation oh dollar denominated assets inflation's eating with the value of the dollar i don't want to leave my mat still deal with that every week without exception i don't want the Value the I, we can't leave the money under the mattress, so I gotta go. I'm gonna go buy assets, and I'm like, okay, again, going back to this idea of creating problems in the future. Suppose all that goes well, you buy the assets, they're gonna appreciate over time. What's the end game there? What's the you're gonna sell the asset, right? There's gonna be a larger cash flow, more money, probably US dollars in the future. Where does that money go? Right. The problem right now is that the system doesn't exist to accept a high degree of your ongoing cash flow. What happens when you throw zeros on those cash flow figures? The problem is only bigger. And we've already mentioned that there are limits to how much insurance you can get. There's going to be maximum insurability problems. You're going to run out of insurability. You can only pay so much premium during your lifetime. And if you wait longer when your income factor is lower and your age is higher and your age is higher and factor goes down and maybe you went and bless your heart you went and saw a doctor and you just wanted to get ahead of it i get it it wasn't really a problem it was all preventative right and you did the one little procedure you know just the the, whatever they did the heart thing or did the the scope or whatever just to be safe and then the doctor said yep it was fine no problem but you know good job we're gonna bill insurance a lot for that but thank you right and then oh we're gonna include in the note that well just to cya your primary care physician is going to refer you to a cardiologist, but or sleep study or a sleep study or whatever the MRI. next reference is, oh. right? The next insurance billable, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah. So maybe you did that, but probably you didn't, right? So now we've got an unfulfilled referral to a specialist in your medical documentation, and oh, you're fifty or you're fifty-five, and you want five or ten million in additional death benefit, and you bet that there's going to be a records, medical records request. Oh, now you've got an unfulfilled specialist request. Well, why is that? You know why you had this, you, you went in, you went and reported that there was some problem and the medical professional told you what to go do about it and you didn't do it. Well, why, why would a life insurance company then take a risk of all these millions of dollars on your life? I, you know, yeah. I don't want to, all of this just gets more complicated. The further you put it off, yeah. the, the, uh, you've mentioned the Jim Rohn quote, right? You're going to have, you're going to pay like one of two prices, right? Mm-hmm. The price of regret or the price of discipline period, right? Well, you're going to have one of two discomforts. You're either going to have the discomfort of having to pay a premium every year, or you're going to have a discomfort of, of realizing how undercapitalized you are. I, it, and which, not having the ability to pay a premium. Yeah, and which one do you want? And I, I, it's gotten to a point where the, with my you know, 50s, 60s, older clients who are coming to the table for a second, where we, we've got to go through extra questions. Like, let's be honest, what are the medications? And what are the all of the medical procedures? Oh, why do you take all those vitamins, James? Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Because, uh, you know, I don't want to take the others that... 
if I'm not healthy, I'll get prescribed. And yeah, and I had. And one I haven't recently. been prescribed anything that I'm not taking. I'm just saying. <laughs> Since this is being recorded, put it out in the big. Uh, <laughs> I had one recently. Guy looks, appears healthy, does the running, does the swimming. Yeah, absolutely. Has yeah. the doctor visits. Yeah, all report. All I'm in, has has had super preferred issued in the last five years. Or yeah, six. I'm yeah. in great health. Yeah. yeah. Well, according to that cardiovascular report that was done two years ago, you've got 30, 20, and thirty percent stenosis in those arteries. Sir. Yeah, and, and let me let me say though a couple of things here medical records they're just lightning fast today after covid <laughs> right oh my gosh the company has a medical records uh company the all of the facilities of physicians organizations and associations the doctors office they all have theirs and they all got to connect on you know every third friday or whatever it is and then i mean i learned this early 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 in my career you go to your doctor you have a conversation about three in the morning, you get up in the middle of the night because you live out in the country and you finally shoot that, you know, uh, varmint that's been tearing up your trash. And then he just makes a side note that, you know, this conversation, they might not be, you know, 100% on, but you're healthy for whatever you're going to see him with. Um you're having a conversation. I'm not saying you should have an open, free-flowing conversation with your medical professional and you should take uh, responsibility for your health. I'm not, there's no question about it. you're the best investment you have, health and, you know, thinking and spirituality and uh, all of it, financial health. It's your, it's your responsibility, so don't abdicate it, okay? But what is written in the medical records versus what is transferred through conversation could be two different things. And I'm just saying a lot of times we go to the physician and they might, they might talk about something in conversation, but the patient didn't leave the office with a clear, I have to go get X or Y because he put a referral in for me. Might come, it might have came up in conversation, and I think if that conversation occurs, then the patient doesn't walk out unaware that they have a, <laughs> a, 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 a Specialist referral. Yeah, a referral to go see and follow up on. Now they could get busy and it could be two years later and it's like, no, we just had a conversation about how healthy I was. I was just dehydrated. It wasn't a heart attack or whatever the case may be. Yeah, everything's fine. Yeah, everything's fine. I don't feel bad. I look good. All of this is to say that the opportunity to buy life insurance and pay substantial premium is very limited. And the more time goes by, the more limited it gets. Right. And the probability goes down yeah. that you can get what you want in force. And, and multiple factors. So couple that, that with the idea that you can only get so much money into a given policy in a given year. That limit is hard set. It's not going up after that policy is in force. Once it's in force, it's in stone. <clears throat> and by the way, use it or lose it. If you don't pay the PUA that you said you wanted the right to pay it, Every company has a way to make sure that limit comes down to manage their Wonder risk. why. Yeah. Yeah. So you use it or lose it. It's limited to get. The longer you wait, the harder it is. And the banking problem never goes away. The bigger the cash flows in the future, the bigger the problem. You can't pay and you can't get the contractual authority to pay enough premium for the kind of financial circumstances you're going to have in the future should things go well. Right. If free cash flow goes up, if income rises, expenses go down, or a combination of the two you're going to be underbuilt. You're not going to have the premium payment capacity that you thought you wanted. Now, you're going to take all of those long-term, theoretical, philosophical type perspectives, and then you're going to jam that right up against the need for liquidity very early on. 
right? And the result is going to be this clash of like, okay, well, how what should the premium design be? And you know, I want to say a couple of things that you know uh, we've been releasing shorts. I don't shorts reels, whatever. And I generally don't listen as as our regular listeners know. I don't listen, but they're short, so I listened to one the other day. And adding to the the complexity or the probability of getting insurance by waiting longer, getting these contracts in force, don't skip over the fact that by design, life insurance just typically structured life insurance. No PUA other than the dividend. That basic fundamental with a mutual company that pays the dividend, that participates, that structure gets better over time. Every year that it's in existence, it gets better. Now, when you add the proper structure to an adequate PUA with all the limitations and the requirements that are fully understood by the policy owner, not only are if you're postponing the time to actually take action because of whatever reason, you're also forfeiting that Mm -hmm. early beginning improvement. And so, I mean, you know, and I'm not a, so if I draw an exponential curve, you know, I can wait in four, five, 10 years. I can wait forever and not do anything, right? I'm not, I'm not getting around that loss of liquidity in the early years. I don't care how I it, uh, fabricate the policy and I call it artificial cash flow. It's real cash in the early years, but it's an artificial construct because of what it does for you in the future, which is not good. Um, you could do so much. You could do so much better. I'm not getting around on the exponential curve in your mind. See an exponential curve. You're not getting around that loss of liquidity, the startup cost capitalization phase. You're not getting around that. You're pushing that forward. So you're going to go through that now or later. And the sooner you go through it, all I'm saying is if it's true and it is, if these policies become more efficient by their mere existence, what you're, what you're losing, you, your family, your future prodigy, is the top of that exponential curve. I know we're on camera, so I should go this way. You're cutting off the most efficient part of a policy mm-hmm. by waiting. And I'm not encouraging you to run out and buy a policy. I'm encouraging you to run out and educate yourself. Okay, when you're ready to go to the next level, just bet the people that you work with. Call here, call there. I'm just telling you, you're not gaining anything by waiting. But you're also not, uh, you know, just want to reiterate, uh, not encouraging you to run out and it's like, well, I better do this now and I don't fully understand it or, you know, properly educate yourself and then get to it and then i want to go back to the uh qualified plans and you know the pension the defined benefit the defined contribution all of that is shifting the risk away from the institution to the consumer (laughs) when you go from defined benefit to defined contribution there's no question but i want to bring up the uh pamphlet uh this is a very small booklet really that uh nelson nash himself brought back into publication it's the uh pension idea it was written by Paul Perot, and it gives you the the really the early history of this idea of I'm going to get something for free from the employer, the idea of a pension. And now, and Nelson said many times that Paul Perot, who was early on in the Mises, you know, one of those names that you know uh, we don't readily recall, but he wrote that 
the pension idea. It's a very short read, but it gives you kind of the, the, the genesis of where the idea after World War II, how do you keep an employee without giving them benefits? Um, I just want to put that out there that, you know, we have them in my office. I think they're available. They're available at the Nelson Nash Institute, infinitebanking.org. It's worth the read. Um, if you have an interest in any, you know, history on the, yeah, and it's not comprehensive history. It's a beginning. Okay. All just different degrees of abdication of responsibility, right? The greatest factor in the production of results in IBC style whole life is your behavior, your premium payment. The greatest factor in the results of something like a tax qualified plan is whatever's going on in the cartelized public stock market. Cartelized. Over which you have no control. Right? So just different. And it, so it, there's an era, an aura, uh, element of gambling, of, you know, well, maybe. I want out. something for nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Without the, without having to earn it, right? Unearned, uh, unearned reward. Sometimes I think about in the, there's this total left turn, but um, in Genesis, right, the eating of the uh, eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil um, was like unearned moral knowledge. Right? And what was the what was the price? What was the punishment? That you'll Adam, be like Adam, God. Adam, Adam you will won't have to, surely die. Adam will have to then labor for his sustenance. Curse. Have to go work. The imposition of labor. Anyway, you should earn. <laughs> and accept the responsibility for earning your future financial circumstances. I mean, you know, the idea that can be abdicated is bringing up the idea of, of uh, Genesis. The uh, I think it was on your Facebook page. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that he was off the rails bringing up some uh, oh, it religion. Was a, it, was, it, was, uh, it was it was very entertaining. <gasps> I mean, it was a Friday, and I mean, I've had an exp- just a week with home office companies. What I say? I thought I was being cute. Oh, I text. No, this is the one I texted to you. I had already uh, seen it and the, liked it. I laughed said, at it. The devil tried three different tra- times to tempt Jesus with worldly rewards. Having failed each time, the devil resigned to plan B. He'd agreed to get behind Jesus and let him proceed with saving mankind, but whispered to Jesus that he should deliver his grace and mercy through a life insurance company. Just <laughs> 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 delay it forever. Oh, my gosh. What was the other one? On? Uh, uh, thank good. God the battle is already won. Not even a life insurance company could delay <laughs> Jesus' deliverance. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> They'd give it a good try, though. And then uh, Julie commented, and I said, uh, new business. The new business department at these companies need to catch some of the Holy Ghost. Get some spirit in those bones. Faith without works is dead. God's grace is given freely. Just say yes. He says man is loved. You say this policy is issued. Oh my God. Home offices don't need more underwriters. They need more Pentecostals. Let's get a move on. I was, that one did like kick it over to the top for me. It's like, oh my gosh. It's like, so you dealt with a bunch of underwriters or home office, you know, whatever. You were off the rails on a roll right there, man. Yeah, it is, we have an opportunity to encourage each other, to issue some business, <laughs> and pay a premium. You know, if you can't have fun, is it even worth it? All right. I'm good. Structure, discipline, have a form. Take responsibility over the long run. Buy a policy that will allow you to do that over the long run. Then understand the policy that you buy. Yeah. Understand what you can do, what you can't do. Let's go visit the venue that I didn't name earlier. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah, well, we got to drive to Austin, huh? Yeah. yeah. No, look, I had fun. This was, you know, this is good. It's yeah. been a minute since we sat down. I'm glad, appreciate you taking the opportunity to drive down here and, and uh, make the time to, you know, get caught up. Yeah, you're welcome. Right, have a great Bye, day. Y'all. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.